With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by my regular co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, welcome back to the show. How are you? Great, man. Enjoyed the uh, nice long weekend. I'm ready to talk some socks. Nice. Did you do anything fun for the Labor Day weekend? No, I just took it easy. Um, did a kind of a cookout thing today. Uh, but it was like an indoor cookout. <laughs> we nice. didn't go anywhere, but still did like the cookout food and stuff. Because, oh, you know, the Rona. And figured today that there was going to be a lot more people out and about than usual, which was uh, ended up being the case. So yeah. I'm glad we stayed in. Nice. That sounds good. It's always good to cook grilled, you know, grill out food. It's always, always fun. Makes you feel like summer. Yeah. All right, um, so the other thing that makes us feel like summer is the Red Sox losing baseball games. <laughs> um, we're going to get right back to it here. So in the week since the trade deadline has passed, since Keaton and I brought you that big trade deadline show, uh, the Red Sox have gone 2-5, and five, losing two, two in a row to the Braves. Um, actually, more than that, but just you know two since then. Um, dropping 3-5 of five to the Blue Jays. Um, they haven't been good. But that is to be expected for the Red Sox. That's not really a surprise. But there has been some interesting developments, and we're going to talk about a lot of those developments today, um, specifically looking forward to 2021, because there's not a lot of sense in Keaton and I just sitting on this show and lamenting about this bad team. We know it's a bad team, um, but there's a lot of things that we can actually look into uh, for the 2021 team. So we're going to get into a bunch of those today. Um, We're going to start off, though, by talking about the pitching side of things. Um, Nathan Eovaldi does remain sidelined due to an injury uh, to his calf, I believe. Um, But Martin Perez, who has been the Red Sox ace this year, and, uh, you know, that's kind of funny because Martin Perez is far from an ace, 
Um, but he actually did something pretty cool over the past week. He he pitched a no hitter into the seventh inning uh, before allowing a hit. He had he ended up allowing three hits during the game, three walks, struck out five. Uh, and his seventy two game score was his best of the year. Um, it was a really well pitched game by Martin Perez. Did you get a chance to see that one, Keaton? Uh, I saw the end of it after he had already been uh, pulled out. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah, but. I mean, credit where credit is due, you absolutely nailed it on Perez being able to kind of be a key piece of this pitching rotation. I mean, it'd be a lot nicer if he was like the fourth, fifth starter instead of the one at this point. But um, for them to have something here and still have him for another year after this unlocked, um, you know, his sequencing so that he's been, I mean, he's been the only reliable pitcher in the entire uh, organization for the Red Sox this year, which you know doesn't say much, but if there's someone you can rely on, then you got to be able to keep going to him. And now it's gotten to the point where we expect a Martin Perez start to be a solid start for the Red Sox, which is not something I was expecting coming into the season at all. Yeah, no, it really wasn't. Um, and you know, sometimes even a, a blind cat finds a meal every once in a while. With my uh, my guesses about Red Sox optimism this year. Um, there weren't many things to be optimistic about, even though I was Mr. Optimism. But yeah, I will take credit for, for the Martin Perez thing. That being said, though, I want to really, you know, throw a little bit of cold water on this. Martin Perez has been good um, for the Red Sox in terms of Red Sox pitching. But like we're still talking about a pitcher with an overall 6.4% came on his walk rate. Um not very impressive in that regard. He has been impressive at limiting hard contact, um, and he's only allowed a uh, 217 batting average against, which is good. And his walks and hits per innings pitched have been um, has been significantly better than what his career norms have been. But that being said, I'm not sure that Martin Perez is anything more than a fifth starter on a good team. Um, and I guess my question to you, Keaton, is um, do you think the Red Sox are going to try and keep him to be a fifth starter on what could be a much improved Red Sox team in 2021? Or do you think that with the success that he's had this year that they're going to try and trade him over the winter and maybe look for someone else that maybe has a little bit more of a sustainable skill set? I mean, I guess if they can... I would be fine with that, but I kind of would expect... Oh, yeah, you pointed out Erod's going to be back. Chris Hale will be back at some point. Evaldi, um, I mean, I don't know if he can get through a season healthy, but presumably we'll start the season healthy, and so Perez will only have to be at best the first best starter on the staff. Yeah. Um, and what he's doing now looks a lot better from the four or five hole in the rotation. Um, and if you know that you have uh, that kind of reliability from somebody already on your roster. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily look to move it, but if someone comes along and, like you said, offers something that has a more sustainable skill set, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved. But I, I think I'm going to expect him to be back and be a fourth or fifth starter for this team next year. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way too. And it seems like he has really embraced being on the Boston Red Sox. He's a good Twitter follow too, if you haven't done that. He's always posting... Uh, after starts that he makes and stuff like that. So he's been one of the bright spots for for the pitching staff. And his cutter really is an enjoyable pitch to watch. Um, and, and to go along with what Keaton said, I mean, five of the top ten starts this year by Red Sox pitching have been uh, made by Martin Perez, which is not surprising. And the list is mostly Martin Perez and healthy Nady of all these starts. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll take what we can get in a year like this. Seriously. Um, the really interesting piece, though, and sort of burying the lead here behind starting pitching talk is Jairo Munoz has uh, taken a full-time role here with the team over the past week. Um, he is currently banged up. Uh, he hurt his hip last time he was out, so he hasn't been placed on the IL yet. Um, he may still be placed on the IL. Red Sox didn't play today, so I guess they didn't have to make any moves. So we'll monitor that, but he was getting starts in both right field and left field, and he had 10 hits in his first 21 plate appearances, which is just bananas. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of him or 
you know, see any highlights from Yairo Munoz? Uh, and, and, and what's your reaction to him? Yeah, I mean, he popped up on my radar when he made his debut in 2018. Um, I added him in a couple places just for fantasy purposes. Um, so I was kind of aware of what he was doing, and he was pretty darn good. Um, 276, 350, 413 slash line, and 107 WRC+. plus. It was 108 games, and he had eight homers and five steals. I mean, he doesn't have much pop, but over the course of a full season, he's probably double-digit homers, double-digit steals, which is really nice to have on your bench or really kind of anywhere in your roster. Uh, I don't know if he's, you know, a major league regular, um, but kind of taking that utility role and getting, you know, two-thirds of uh, 500 at-bats across the season in however many games he ends up kind of appearing uh, is definitely some depth that the Red Sox haven't had in the bats in quite some time. Um, of course, he had that interesting departure from the Cardinals where he was upset about his playing time and just left. So I'm not sure if he's kind of expecting to have a starting role with this team. I'm not sure that he would next year. Um, but to have a guy with his skill set on the on the roster, I think would be a great thing for this team. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Keaton. And, and he's a really interesting player because... I am going to make a comparison to Brock Holt here in just the fact that he has the versatility of a Brock Holt. This year for the Red Sox, he's played in left field, he's played in right field, he's DH'd. But while he was with the Cardinals, he also played second base, shortstop, third base, in all three of the outfield positions. So he's played every position on the diamond other than first base and catcher, which should remind you of Brock Holt. Um, And also when you look at how they've actually played and, and how they've hit. Yairo Munoz over his time in the major leagues has hit 282, 337, 407. Um, Brock Holt during his time with the Red Sox batted 270, 340, uh, 374. And they strike out at very similar rates. They walk at very similar rates. Um, Munoz probably has a touch more power, um, but it's really interesting that he is so versatile. He's only 25 years old. And when he was a prospect, uh, he had some pretty interesting grades on him. So Fangraphs ranked him the sixth prospect, sixth best prospect in the Cardinals system in 2018. They put a future 55 on his hit tool, um, 55 on his raw power, 70 on his arm, which is really impressive, and 50, 55 on his speed. That's a very good player. And the Red Sox were able to get this guy for basically nothing. And they can potentially control him through 2024 because his first arbitration year isn't till next year. So all of a sudden, this looks like a really interesting player for the Red Sox moving forward. And one that I'd be frankly pretty excited to have as my utility guy. Yeah, I would too, for sure. Yeah, that skill set is pretty hard to find. And um, I like the comparison to Brock Holt, um, with the exception of Munoz has a lot more speed. Uh, and can really do a number of damage or quite a bit of damage on the base paths, which is not something that the Red Sox really had off the bench um, until like this year with Pilar, um, who was obviously not destined to remain here all that long. Um, But Munoz could be quite an interesting piece going forward. Yeah, he really could. And, you know, we we want to... Also say, like, before people freak out, we're not saying he's going to be the type of icon that Brock Holt was or anything (laughs) like that. We're talking about purely from a baseball standpoint. Um, I do think the bodies are a little bit different. Yaira Munoz, a little bit of a stockier guy, um, probably not as smooth of motions in in the field, especially in the infield as Brock Holt. But he's he's a little bit thicker. There's a lot more power projection there. But yeah, I mean, Brock Holt did amazing things for the community around here and for for the team. Um, And you've already mentioned the character stuff. So that's going to be something that we're going to monitor for sure. Um, I hope that the hip thing for him doesn't linger this year because I'd really like to see him continue to get some reps here down the stretch. But um, one of the things that I'm encouraged by with this whole thing is that the Red Sox are kind of taking the pathway that we wanted them to take in regards to Jose Peraza. Um, Over the past week, he's played uh, second base three times, 
Um, and he's subbed in in left field late in the game. He's terrible in left field, so I hope he doesn't play there anymore. Um, but he really has, you know, not been getting the starts, which is ideal because we've seen enough from Peraza. And, you know, apparently they prefer the body here down the stretch over just DFAing him. But it's nice to see that he's clearly not factoring into their plans for the future. Yeah, I mean, we talked last time that we kind of expected the DFA if, um, or I guess when Benintendi came back, but now it doesn't look like he's coming back this year. So I imagine he'll probably just stay on the roster just to be there because there's they, they don't feel like they have anybody else. But yeah, I don't think he's long for this team here um, after this season. Yeah. Well, we wish we wish Peraza well, but um, no big <laughs> loss there for sure. Yep. Also interesting to note, um, in the six games with the Red Sox, Munoz put up his uh, a career best WAR. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, his previous best was point one in that uh, twenty eighteen season, and just in six games, he'd put up point four. Wow. Well, I guess. With a 234 WRC plus over that stretch. Uh, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> it helps a little bit. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know what, too? I like his face. I like uh, <laughs> he's always mean mugging. And I don't know whether he intends to, but like he's got a pretty intimidating face out there. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, uh, moving on to another player who has been really impressive over the course of this season. That's Kevin Ploiecki, um, who I thought, you know, we, we knew he was a good receiver. Um, we knew he was going to be a very competent backup catcher. But what we didn't really expect from him was him to impress us with the bat. And I remember specifically, I mean, Keaton and I have been doing fantasy baseball forever, and we do fantasy baseball podcasts together at the Dynasty Guru. But it, I remember distinctly when he came up as a prospect with the Mets that there was a lot of potential hope here that he could be an offense first catcher. And when he first came up, he actually did look like he was going to fulfill some of that promise. And now all of a sudden, Kevin Ploiecki this year, 29 years old with the Red Sox, has a 145 WRC plus batting 354, 404, 500 on the year. Um, You know, doesn't walk at all, but doesn't strike out either. He's been incredibly impressive to me. What have you seen with him this year? Um, and, and do you expect him to stick with the team next year? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. He has one more year of arbitration left. And uh, I don't imagine Connor Wong is ready to step into a backup role immediately. Um, so I would definitely expect him back. Uh, it's probably lucky for the Red Sox. They still have a year of control left. On him I actually have two now um, because he's one of those rare four-year arbitration guys. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, so it's lucky that that's, that's in play because uh, even though you know it's a smaller sample in a weird season, but he probably would have been playing himself into a starting role somewhere else just given the catching landscape. Um, so I think to have him backing up Vasquez, who we think is probably one of like the top five best catchers in the league right now, uh, and then to have his backup be someone who can step in and, you know, have an a OBP over 400 or close to it. Um, that is an awesome tandem that we don't really have to worry about that position offensively for a couple of years, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much of this is sustainable, but it's not been that small of a sample size now i mean it's been 52 plate appearances but the exit velocity for him this year has gone from being in the mid 80s it was 85.6 last year the year before it was like 86 the year before it was 87 it's been right in that range this year his average exit velocity is 90 miles an hour it's a pretty substantial jump and his hard hit rate went all the way up to 35 percent so i don't know if he can continue to do this but he certainly has looked more comfortable and has continued to, to do this like throughout the season. You know, it's not just one off like he got into a Bradley Jr. like hot streak. He's been consistently when he gets playing time developing uh, himself to be a good player in key offensive situations and, you know, even hitting some big dingers. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that 
in previous seasons with the Mets. Um, he had consistently put up walk rates um, over 10% in double digits. This year it's at a career low 4%. So if he's able to, to kind of reel some of that back in along with the strides that he's making in his quality of contact, um, could be a force to play. Yeah, really could be. Um, yeah, we're going to have to monitor that. I haven't done a deep dive into what he's doing from a swing perspective um, in terms of whether or not he's swinging more or less than usual. It actually looks like he's swinging 44.6% of the time, which his career rate is 46% or his average rate is 46%. So he's actually swinging a little bit less, um, but still making more hard contact. So yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be something we need to monitor. If you can get that walk rate up, he becomes really exciting. Um, Sticking with catchers, though, the Red Sox claim to catcher, and I'll probably butcher his name, um, Davey Grillon, or Grillon, off of waivers from the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, You know, this is a guy I hadn't actually heard about, because he's not like a big prospect, but he did actually make the mentions of um, the top Phillies prospects uh, at Fangraphs last year. Um, he was mentioned as one of the bat first um, type of, uh, I guess, catchers in the system for Philly. He's had some good offensive numbers, um, but getting a guy like this for free in an organization, the Red Sox, that's hurting for catching depth seems like a pretty good good situation. Yeah, low risk, high reward. Uh, his last two seasons in the minors, double A in 2018, he hit 273 and then got even better. 2019 at AAA hitting 283, so um, he really kind of did his the the most of his damage in the upper minors uh, and hit 21 home runs both of those seasons. So uh, an interesting bat first choice that kind of gives him some depth. That definitely is just I mean there was no risk to it, but uh, you know they could might have might have found someone to to be a pretty decent backup catcher. Yeah, absolutely, and and the fact that he's not a good framer right now. That seems like something that the Red Sox can continue to work with while he's developing um, at AAA or or if they decide to start him at AA. I don't imagine they would. I, I think he's probably going to go to AAA, but who knows. But, you know, the, the ability for him to uh, continue to develop that skill. I mean, offense is kind of the hardest thing to find at catcher. So um, I think it's encouraging for sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, all right, moving on. Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, has been super hot over the last week. And I'm loving this. And I actually, you know, he's kind of a zero player in fantasy baseball because these hot streaks, you don't know when they're going to come. You don't know how long they're going to last. And then most of the time he's just abominable to own. But like, I ran out to my waiver wire in a bunch of leagues and picked up Jackie Bradley Jr. when I saw he was getting on this heater. And right now, uh, since September 1st, he's batted 292, 414, 667 with a 177 WRC plus in three home runs. Um, how nice would it be if Jackie continues to hit like this down the stretch for the Red Sox and sort of this is the way that we can remember you know, him going out with the bat? It'd be great. I mean, he started the season on a hot streak and then got hurt and was kind of playing through an injury. And um, I think it was Remy noted on the broadcast like a little over a week ago that he looked like he was 
back to full health, and then kind of that was put on display. The majority of his home runs so far this season have been to the opposite field, which is not something Jackie Bradley has really done consistently at any point in his career, but he's doing it consistently this year when healthy. Um, so whatever the, the changes were that he made to his approach seemed to be effective. Uh, and, you know, it would be interesting to see. You know, we had a question uh, last week if we believed uh, Hyam Bloom when he said that he wanted Jackie Bradley on his team long term. Uh, we both figured, yeah, why, why wouldn't we believe him? Uh, but it turns out that apparently they have not talked to Jackie Bradley Jr. about that. <laughs> they just said it publicly. Um, so, I mean, do you think Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be back with this team next year? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we did get that question this week uh, from one of our listeners. Jacob Cordero said how much the Red Sox pay Jackie Bradley Jr. if they do indeed sign him. So, so first of all, I do think that they would be interested in bringing him back or it would make sense for them to be interested in bringing him back on a one-year deal if they believe that Duran is the guy for the future um, in center field. They might believe that Duran is destined for a corner, and in that case, might want to bring JBJ back for like a two- or three-year deal. I don't see him getting more than two years, and I also think that if they do sign him, it's going to be for a Polar-type money deal. Um, Pilar was making a, a little over four million um, for the full season, so I could see something like two and eight, and maybe with the second year being a team option um, for JBJ. But I really, I get the sense from the things that I read about JBJ that JBJ wants to test the waters in a different park. I think he would really like to see how good his defense could be in a park that has more real estate in center field for him to kind of patrol. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I haven't read too many of his, much of his comments, just the one where he uh, was asked about being here long-term and was like, I haven't, I haven't talked to me about that at all. Um, So I don't, I don't know if I can really gauge from that what I think. Um, but given the rate that people are leaving this team, I guess I think I'd still lean towards he's probably not coming back. But see, that's the that's the thing. His defense is really good, and he rides these streaks that someone will probably give him a chance to be a starter. But I don't think that the Red Sox would, or like you said, it would just be to transition to Duran at some point. I feel like someone will probably offer him like. A four-year, $20 million deal to be a starter somewhere, like Mm. Texas or something, and he'd rather do that. Yeah, I could see it. Um, He was, I think it was an Alex Spears story um, where I I was talking about the defense stuff, and he was kind of talking about how the odd dimensions of left field at Fenway make uh, center field in Boston play down a little bit versus other parks, and you know, you mentioned Texas, which is in the short time that we've seen how that park plays, because um, the new park um, has definitely played like a pitcher's park. San Francisco, I mean, you could imagine him playing outfield in San Francisco. Um, I know that Jackie's not really known for having like electric speed. He's more of a guy who's incredible at reading the ball and just such a cerebral guy out there he knows exactly where the ball is going to go i've never seen anybody take better lines to balls than he does um but i do think he's like underrated with his athleticism sometimes you know we've seen the things that he can do with his arm i think his speed is maybe not like the best in the the league but it's damn good um selfishly i want to see him play in a different park i want to see like what is full all the chains off like just you know don't have to play in the dimensions of of Fenway anymore just let the man like do it yeah I mean it would definitely be really fun to see and for the Red Sox it probably makes sense to let him go well I mean it probably makes sense to trade him but we talked about why that probably didn't happen so I mean it makes sense for them to to really only look at him for a short term and that's it's probably not exactly what he's looking for, so it just doesn't seem like they might 
mesh with their priorities, yeah. so they'll end up somewhere else. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm, I will always remember Jackie Bradley Jr. for his defense, for his hot streaks. I was at the game where his like 33 game, I think it was, hit streak ended, um, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but also, my wife got me a Jackie Bradley Jr. cameo for my birthday, and it was amazing. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's definitely one of my favorite players and somebody who I will definitely miss. Um, if he does go, um, all right, Bobby Dahlbeck, it's time we talked about this monster of a human being, um, since he's really been up here getting regular playing time since the trade deadline passed, Bobby Dahlbeck has 20 plate appearances, two home runs, three runs, two RBIs, a 10% walk rate, oh boy, a 40% strikeout rate, and, uh, he's batting 167. What are your impressions of Mr. Dahlbeck? I feel like he's been as advertised, right? We were advertised home runs and strikeouts, and that's what we're getting. Yep, he's a true, true outcome kind of guy. <laughs> um, I mean, his home runs have been fun. Uh, it's gone the other way a couple times on them, which is just a good thing to see. Um, I was surprised to see that he was hitting under 200. I thought that he had kind of sprinkled more in there, but he essentially... Is just hitting homers, <laughs> which is really fun to see. He's got five hits, and three of them are homers. Yeah, I mean, there's not too many guys. So overall, his, his whole line, I just quoted since September 1st, but he's batting 192. But that comes with a 99 WRC+, plus, where 100 is sort of the average mark. So to have a 99 with... A 192 means you're doing ridiculous damage when you do make contact with the ball, and his isolated power mark is 346. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, just just to put that in perspective, like that's up there with among the best sluggers in all of baseball. <laughs> so the the 70 raw uh, is certainly making itself known here in the very early going. Um, we did get a listener question about Dobby. Bobby Dahlbeck that I thought was really interesting from Dan Strand. And he said, is Bobby Dahlbeck the building block for the future? And I think I'm going to tweak this. Not that he's the building block for the future, but Keaton, do you see him as part of the next good Red Sox team as a starter? Yeah, I think I do. I mean, the strikeouts are really concerning, but it's also only been like five games for him, seven games. So, I mean, we need to give him a chance to adjust to major league pitching. His strikeouts in the minors haven't been all that bad. Um, he's had a couple of years of some over 30, but for the most part, it's like mid to low 20s, which is about where the you know the the really good sluggers of the <clears throat> baseball nowadays have their strikeout rates. His walk rates have throughout the minors have been great and well over double digits. So I think um, it's it's hard to make a rash. Uh, you know, like snap judgment now after seven games, but I'd like to see him have a chance to actually adjust to major league pitching more and kind of maybe after the next three weeks, take another look at it. But um, I think we're expecting him to be right. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, I, I have more faith whether this is fair or not in him developing a little bit more, um, contact ability than Michael Chavis. Uh, I, I just, I think his swing works a little bit more. I think his problems are a little bit more uh, easily corrected with his tendency to swing towards pitches that are outside of the zone. I think that's something he can work to court curtail. Um, I don't know that he will find success with that. I, I'm honestly going to say that there's a 40% chance that he's a starter on the next good Red Sox team. I don't think it's 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 definitely not more likely than that for me. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that probably seems right. I would like it to be a hundred because his power is super fun, but yeah, I just don't know if it that's realistic with his skill set. And they they seem to be collecting these guys. I mean, Hudson Potts is another one that's right in this Chavis Dahlbeck skill set. So um, at some point, one of these guys has to work, right? 
I hope so. <laughs> Can't go 0 for 3. That would be very in line with uh, their Knights at the Plate. Um, all right, let's talk about some other guys who are starting to do pretty well. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, and Alex Verdugo have all been really good since the calendar flipped to September. Um, in particular, J.D. Martinez uh, has been playing some of the best baseball that we've seen of him the entire year. Um, in September so far, over five games, 21 plate appearances. He's batting 333 with a home run, three RBIs, a couple walks, uh, starting to look definitely a lot more like himself. And we've seen, uh, you know, the other guys, Devers and, and Verdugo. Devers has been really turning it on for for a while now. He's got a 137 WRC plus over six games in that period of time. And Verdugo has just done it all season long. So is it encouraging to you to see especially J.D. Martinez look like he's flipped? Because I think that he's the one that's looked the most out of sorts this year. Yeah, I agree 100%. And for it would be nice to see him carry that through to the end of the year. Um, you know, it's not just him. There's reliable hitters around the league this year that have been really struggling uh, and probably what is just due to being, you know, like a weird year. Um, but Martinez – uh, actually offered a glimpse into the future uh, and talked about what he kind of expects in the offseason. And it seems like he's leaning towards offing in because, as we talked about in the beginning of this, because it's a it's a down season and we're not really sure what the free agent market's going to look like, we kind of expected him to opt in um, so that, you know, he would be getting his money. Uh, and two reasons for him to opt in would be the uncertainty in the free agent market and then his struggles this year. So if he... It makes way more sense for him to opt in, have a good year next year, and then opt out if that's his plan. Uh, hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he's just really good for the Red Sox for the duration of uh, what his, his contract length was. Um, but he's been really bad to start the season, so for him to have a really good last month, I feel a lot better about him opting in and getting another full season out of him uh, on this team and what is hopefully a bounce back season next year yeah i totally agree um i don't see him going anywhere those comments like you said really solidify that so yeah a strong last month here would be a huge statement and make me feel a whole lot better about this lineup going into next season yeah absolutely um rafael devers though first half of the year um he was terrible um 76 wrc plus batted 222 Looked like junk, um, was not, you know, he was not swinging at the right pitches. He was really expanding his zone. He looked terrible. Second half of the season so far, over 12 games, 319, 385, 617 with a 163 WRC+. plus. Rafi Devers is fully back, man. He looks scary as hell at the plate right now. Yeah, he sure does. And that's just great to see. Um, we were kind of waiting for it to happen, hoping it was going to happen a bit sooner. Um, but you know, we talked about, he just may be one of those guys that just needs a month of at bats to start feeling like himself. And as we saw last year, and as we've seen now through the last like two weeks, when he's feeling like himself, he, uh, it's pretty unstoppable. Yeah, totally. Um, he reminds me a little of David Ortiz in terms of the, having a terrible first month of the year. I mean, how many times, by the time the calendar flipped to like mid-May, were we hearing David Ortiz is finally over the hill? And, you know, he would just continue to hit 30 to 40 bombs and bat 300 every year and just get ridiculously hot for like the last four months of the season and carry it through October. Feels like Rafael Devers is just doing the same stuff. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have the same foot issues that Ortiz had. It's a little young for that, but yeah, definitely not. Maybe he can win <laughs> us three World Series though, too. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> He's got one already, right? Yeah, yeah, one down. There you go. Um, all right, last guy I want to talk about real quick. I don't want to end on a bad note, but we kind of have to talk about this man. <laughs> uh, 
Michael Chavis. This is our weekly check-in with Michael Chavis. Uh, two home runs on the year, 234 batting average on the year, 66 WRC plus on the year. And over the last week, it has not been too much better. Um, 280, 321, 320, 71 WRC plus. Not a lot of power, still a high strikeout rate. Making a little bit more contact. Is there anything we can cling to here? Um, he's fun. Like as a personality, or yeah, okay, <laughs> yep, I agree with you. I'm I'm there because his I at mean, bats are not fun right now. It's a small sample, but 280 is a lot better than 230. Yes, so I'd like to see that keep that contact going. And 28% strikeout rate is a lot lower than 38%, which is what it is on the year. And I think, like, if he could maintain a 28% strikeout rate, all of a sudden Michael Chavis becomes an interesting player. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. I think this is probably the most important three weeks of his career because, I mean, coming into the season as a full season, it was pretty much the make or break for him, Uh, even though, you know, he just made his, his debut the year before. But... They got guys coming up to play everywhere he can play. So he's running out of a chance to to make a name for himself. So this last three weeks are pretty important for him. That is an incredible point, Keaton. I didn't think about that, but that is well said. You're absolutely right. There's probably nobody on this team who needs to play better over these next three weeks than Michael Chavis. Yep. Wow. Dahlback's already there. Jeter Downs is on his way. Uh, Munoz can also play every position that he plays too. So, I mean, now is really the, the, the time for him to make a name for himself and show that he belongs on this Boston team here. Wow. That puts a lot of emphasis on these last 18 games. Sure does. Well then, um, Michael Chavis, no pressure, buddy. Um, all right, let's move on to listener questions here. Mike Teague has our first listener question. He says, have we heard anything about Chris Sale's recovery? Have you heard anything new? Uh, the last thing I saw was a couple weeks ago where he was feeling confident in his uh, rehab process and how things were progressing. Um, the Herald reported a couple weeks ago, too, that he's not expected to be ready for opening day, which I think we were all kind of expecting, given the timing of when he had um, the surgery, like, 12 months would be mid-April, or mid-slash-end of April, and the 12-month mark is when they he can start throwing again. So we're probably looking at another month from there, from him to be in, well, maybe even more than that, for an extended spring training to make sure he feels like himself and then stretch him out after that. So we're probably looking at, like, June as a probable return date for him. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I haven't seen anything newer than that either, Keaton. The only um, report that I found when I was doing some Googling before this was the August 13th uh, report about his real makeshift kind of uh, workout facility down in Fort Myers because they won't let him into the actual facility <laughs> due to COVID regulations. So he's like showering with a hose and working out like behind a batting cage and doing all sorts of stuff, which, you know, I bet Chris Sale secretly loves because I think he's somebody who loves suffering. Yeah, that is, I wouldn't expect anything different. (laughs) If he had the option of like the full nice facility or behind the cage with the hose, he's probably picking behind the cage with the hose. Yeah, builds character. (laughs) There you go. Oh man, I miss (laughs) that guy. Um, Johnny has the next question trolling me. Um, this is a cross. I think this is like a pod cross pod troll here. Um, should the Red Sox trade for Kyle Tucker? Didn't we get that last week too? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't remember that far back. Um, did we get that or was that Garrett Hampson? I think it was Garrett Hampson. Yeah, it was it was Dynasty's Child. Someone wanted you to uh, apologize to Kyle Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it from all angles, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These these two players, I have thrown some some cold water on. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Kyle Tucker is having a good last month for sure. Big month. Um, I'm not ready to change my valuations on players after one month, but you know, we'll see. I could be very wrong on Kyle Tucker, but I'll never forget him being compared to Ted Williams when he got drafted and forever. I will hate him because of that. Good Lord. Yeah. Ben Jacobson, with our next question, is Yairo Munoz actually Babe Ruth? Might be. Not quite as much power, but yeah, might be. Yeah, he definitely has the mean mug, uh, so I like that. (laughs) Um, I can't wait to see him go up to play eating a hot dog. (laughs) He's not quite as big as Babe Ruth, but he looks like he has potential to add some beef. He's He's not a small dude. No. I like it. I'm glad you're into Munoz, Ben Jacobson. You've been looking for a reason to watch this team. There it is. Um, Paxton Jonesy uh, says, The year is 2036. The current Red Sox team have all retired. Which current player do you hire to landscape your garden bushes into iconic moments from the past? Wow. This is a loaded one. Do, do I think any of them? I mean, obviously, if they're a landscaper... That would be like a real passion project for them, right? Because I, I think all these guys are substantially more wealthy than I'll ever be. Yeah, but I think Devers would have a lot of fun with it. And just hacking up bushes into like that game tying home run he hit off Chapman. Mm. Oh, so he would choose the uh, the art for him. So he, he would really be like a traveling artist. Yeah, pretty much. I could see it. Okay, okay. Um, well, so my mind goes to to Chris Sale, actually, because we know how uh, exacting he can be with scissors from his time with the Chicago White Sox, (laughs) cutting up jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) And also, he's incredibly tall, so he can reach the tops of all of the bushes uh, without having a ladder. So I have to say it's probably Chris Sale. That's the answer right there. (laughs) Um, next one, Evan O'Donnell says, why does Matt Hall exist? I don't know, man. I've seen enough. I'm convinced, like, I don't think he's given up less than four runs in a single outing this year. I'm good. I, I don't actually think Matt Hall exists. I think Matt Hall is the name of a batting cage manufacturer. Um, and he is just, (laughs) he's actually a cybernetic organism. That is designed to throw hittable pitches. He's like the pitching machine that like can't even throw breaking balls. It's just a robotic arm tossing cheese right over the plate. <laughs> yeah, the, the meatball man. That's that's what Matt Hall is. He's the meatball man. Basically. Uh, the big man. With our last question. Which current Red Sox player would you dance the tango with? Xander Bogarts, to me, seems like he knows, like, every type of dancing out there, and he'd be a great dance partner. 100%. You nailed it. There's no one else I'd dance tango with but Xander Bogarts. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, that has been our show. We do hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we hope we gave you some things to look forward to for 2021 um, and down the stretch here. And as Keaton, you know, smartly pointed out, watch Michael Chavis's last 18 games, man. You're going to know a lot about this player and his future. Um, Keaton, you working on anything fun this week that you need the people to know about? Uh, we're doing an interesting roundtable at TDG. Um in a couple different chats and things, um, people have mentioned the second base tandem of Craig Biggio and uh, Keston Hira for fantasy purposes. Uh, and Hira was like, I believe, it's either number one or number two. Some people had him at number one in our consensus rankings coming into the season way back in April. Um, Biggio obviously has been on fire uh, and rising up the ranks. Uh, so we're going to have a fun little debate about... Who would you rather have on your fantasy team or your dynasty team? Give me Biggio. Over the next three to five years. So that'll be a fun one. Definitely taking Biggio there. He's a guy I've done a 180 on. So I'll be looking forward to reading that. 
Um, for me, I, I have a bunch of things coming out. Um, I'm probably going to do something at Over the Monster this week, TBD. Um, and I have my top 100 starting pitcher rankings at Fantrax HQ and my top 100 starting pitcher dynasty rankings at Fantrax HQ both coming out this week. So kind of a big week for starting pitcher stuff for me. Yeah, love it. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please go on, rate, review us, subscribe to us, and follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at Dev Jake. You can follow the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster, and you can follow Matt and Shelley. You can follow Matt at Matt R Y Collins and Shelley at Shelley V six four three. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Wow, I've memorized everybody's Twitter handle. All right, (laughs) we will see you later. Bye.